available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome back, everybody, to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site of the Scout.com network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com, the USC site of the Scout.com network. And we are the Podcast of Champions talking about Pac-12 football. Don't th- don't believe the demise of Pac-12 football. It's still going strong. We're talking about it every week. Is uh, it? Is it? Is it? <laughs> I mean, Dave. it's going. It's going. It's moving in a, in a generally forward direction. Yes. I agree with that statement. Yes. We're not the hype machine of the Pac-12 podcast, of the Pac-12 conference. We'll tell you like it is. Uh, sometimes we get emails from the Pac-12 saying, Hey, what are you guys doing? But that's okay. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to get a hold of us, you can tweet us. We like the tweets, uh, at Pac-12 podcast. And Dave, we got to get you logging in because it can't just be my sarcastic tweets. We need yours too. Cause we have, I, I, I did tweet in response to somebody who misspelled the word polls. Um, he spelled it P O L E S and I responded to him. What did Poland ever do to you? I did like and that. That, that has been my one contribution to the <laughs> podcast of champions Twitter in probably, probably going on ever. <laughs> no, you used to do it more. You used to do more. I used to do a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll try to get in there a little bit. Hey, bro, guys, give him some crap about that. Make him make him get on there and tweet more. Because we both have different was, sarcasm. You know? I, I was getting crap for being a little too snarky on my personal Twitter this weekend. Yeah. A little too snarky. You're pretty snarky. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've, I gotta dial that back a little bit. Because ostensibly, I still cover this team. <laughs> uh, uh, well, our website is pack12podcast.com. Our email, we got a couple today we'll read, pack12podcast at gmail.com. It only took us like halfway through the season. To get in a rhythm here, but we're in a rhythm yeah. now. We're on iTunes. Such a rhythm. Yeah. iTunes, Audio Boom, TuneIn Radio, lots of different places you can get the podcast of champions. And, uh, Dave, I wanted to, it's funny. I vote in the, uh, Pac 12, uh, player of the week stuff. And for some reason, I get the voting emails. I was never getting the, here are the results emails. So I had to email Dave. You know, he does a great job over at Pac-12 Communications. I'm like, Dave, can I get on that distribution list too? He's like, oh, yeah, sure. So I thought we should probably share who the Pac-12 Players of the Week are every week since it's kind of a cool thing. Is that cool? Do you have any, do you, did you get this yet? Do you know who they are? Yeah, but you can read them off. Okay. Yeah, you can read them off. The offensive, well, I didn't know. I was going to have you guess if you didn't see, but the. Oh, uh, oh, well, I would guess offensively, um, huh. I want to go Sam Darnold. Uh, I don't know where he was ranked. I think he was, uh, he might have been up there, but it was, uh, Philip Lindsay from Colorado. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he uh, had like 3,000 yards, you know. Yeah. yeah. Right, defensively, are we talking Solomon Thomas? Yes. Pretty, okay. Yeah. He's a sec- good one. Second one. That's the second time he's won it this year. And then, ooh, special team. This is a bad week for special teams. Just across the board. I don't even have a guess there. Who was it? Only two nominees. Um, they were both kickers, but this was the, well, just call it the Zane Gonzalez award because he hit <laughs> three field goals of over 50 yards in that Arizona State game. 
That's right. That's yeah. right. Uh, in a losing a f- effort, but a- uh, to steal a line from our solid verbal friends. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was a thing that happened. Correct. He had a fifty-nine yarder too. He already hit a fifty and a fifty-one, and they're like trot him out for a fifty-nine yarder. It was just like, but he's won it. Say one, two, three, four times out of seven weeks. So that's uh that's pretty good. And you know, I, I don't see a lot of USC and UCLA players on the whole list for the for the year, Dave. Uh, Dory Jackson won special teams in week two, and that's it from the LA teams. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. Um, it's a, it's, I mean, what are we talking here? A three and four team and a four and three team. And they're a combined five hundred. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that sounds about right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so we're the way we're doing the the show now, and I think it's flowing pretty well. We're going to talk about the the week seven games first, and uh, we both picked pretty well. Um, this was the week Some I'm better than others. You can say it. No, say no, it. no. You beat me two weeks in a row. I beat you this week. Uh, I was four and one and you were three and two, but both still would be making you money. Uh, if yep. this was, you know, not bad. Um, yep. I'm still a couple games behind you. Uh, the stupid Oregon State game made me mad. I would have been five and oh, but anyway, we'll talk about all that kind of stuff. So we'll go through the games in the order they were played. If that's good with you. And then we'll do yep. that's for week seven. Then we'll preview. Uh, week eight, which only five teams, only five games for week seven and only five games, uh, for week eight. Uh, but so a light, a light, a light podcast of champions today, but we'll is. make up for it with zest. Yeah. We got a couple questions we'll get to at the end and stuff too. And we, we added a new feature with the, you know, that was great. I, I enjoyed it. It's me ignorantly while my daughter is, you know, standing <laughs> right next to me trying to get my attention, guessing random things <laughs> and you reading them off. I thought it was a great segment. I want more. <laughs> All right. Okay, so the first game up, this was the early game, uh, USC 48, Arizona 14. So this was a bad week for college football. Um, wasn't a lot on, but even still, I could only stomach watching the first half of this game. <laughs> I, I like couldn't bring myself to tune back in for the second half. <coughs> um, as we expected, Arizona's really bad. I mean, really, really bad. Tell me if you came away with this impression, because obviously it was a beatdown for USC. They're playing really well in the whole deal. They kind of left a little bit out there. I thought this could have been a significantly worse blowout. You know, I mean, they scored 34 in the first half, but I still felt like they weren't quite firing on all cylinders, especially offensively. Um, and it, it, this felt like a game where they could have gone 60-plus with ease, um, and it just didn't quite get there. And literally, that's what I'm talking about right now, a game where they won by, <laughs> what, 34 points? And I'm like, you know... They kind of left a little bit out there. And I think that's really a reflection of first how well USC is playing with Sam Darnold at the helm. Um, clearly a much, much better offensive team and it remains insane, literally insane that Max Brown is selected to start the year. Um, and also a reflection of exactly how bad Arizona is right now. Uh, they are not a good football team. And if you're looking at their schedule, it's hard to come up with, I mean, maybe three and nine. But I'm sort of thinking two and ten at this point. Yeah, this was a, an eight point spread. Both of us uh, took USC and both got it right. I mean, it was you could have named the score, like you said. I think uh, I think a lot of it the, the USC coaching staff is still kind of learning on the job. They left points on the table. They kind of do that every week. You know, it's not really as apparent when you you win by you know multiple touchdowns hey i uh, noticed and that's the most important thing <laughs> right but you're i think you're right i mean they like i think they missed field goal extra point there was a bunch of stuff that they could have done you know better and i i think 
you know, when Max Brown comes in, it's just, it's not as, uh, they're not really running the offense and they, they let him play, you know, like most of the fourth quarter. Um, so I think that was, it was nice to try to get him in there and get him involved. But once he comes in, it's, it's not like everything's clicking, everything's moving, but there's so much, you know, you feel so bad for Arizona and all the injuries and there's just been so much adversity. Uh, but you know, the reality is they're 0 and 4 in the conference and it's going to be hard to come up with, you know, obvious wins, uh, on the schedule. Um, it's, this is a rough year for, for Rich Rod. I think they're, they're pretty solid in our number 12, you know, oh, wait, we don't want to give stuff away, but don't uh, give stuff away. Yeah. But they're, they're not rank, ranked very high. Solidly number two. That's what he was going to say. <laughs> All right. In Spoiler. our, uh, <laughs> in our power rankings, you know, the, the podcast of champions power rankings, it, it's looking rougher for Arizona. I think it's, this was a lot to do with just Arizona was not a very good team. They haven't been a very good team. And dude, we got to see a third string tight end throw a football like eight times. You that was incredible. The best offensive play for Arizona and, uh, was the third string tight end who came in for the, whatever fourth string quarterback, the true freshman, you know, Khalil Tate, uh-huh. who wasn't very effective. So they bring no. in the tight end. He throws a 52 yard pass to a converted defensive back. So a tight end to a defensive back was the best offensive play for Arizona. That's kind of all you needed to know right there. It was magical. It was everything I wanted it to be. And just a little bit more. Um, yeah, this was a, this is a really bad game. Um, first of uh, quite a few really bad games from last Saturday, but uh, USC is definitely you know, I mean, they've certainly hit a softer spot of the schedule, which is helping. Um, you know, they opened the season with a brutal, brutal slate of games. Um, but they're clearly playing better football with Sam Darnold. Um, I think, you know, they obviously have won the head to head with Colorado now. Um, but there's still a game back in the conference standings. Um, you know, Utah will see where they are, but I think that's kind of a three. I think USC has elevated itself into that conversation for the South now. Um, because they are playing clearly much better football uh since sam darnold's been inserted in the lineup yeah well we shouldn't waste any more electrons talking about that game uh let's move no, on I, well, but the, the problem is i mean we shouldn't waste a whole lot of electrons on a lot of these games but we got to that's what we do uh utah number 21 yeah. in the country they were number 21 in the country up to 19 now uh speaking of they scored 19 points on the oregon yeah. state beavers beating them 19 14 yeah, I actually watched a good amount of this game. Um, I think that it was concurrent with USC Arizona, and that's how bad USC Arizona was making me feel, just how ugly that game was, that I turned on a 19-14 to bloodbath between Utah and Oregon State. Um, this was, you know, kind of a classic Utah game. Nothing was pretty offensively. Um, their running game was pretty good, but nothing was pretty, nothing was easy. Um, Oregon State, I still don't know how they scored 14 points. Um, you could probably diagram it for me with like physics and stuff, but, uh, they couldn't really throw the ball. And I guess they ran the ball pretty well, but it was with a wide variety of weird stuff. Victor Bolden led them in rushing and he's a receiver. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, you could talk me into any number of ways in which Oregon State was in this game, but they were. Um, had a, you know, had a decent chance to win it if Daryl Gerritsen, who now it sounds like he broke his ankle and he'll be out for the rest of the year. Um, if, if he hadn't gotten hurt, I thought they had a decent enough chance there at the end. Um, but ultimately, uh, not quite enough to get there enough to cover for me, which oh. is important. Um, I needed that. Uh, but so mad. This was, 
a game that Utah really needed to win. They're very much hurting right now. It got them to bowl eligibility. Um, I think Utah is now kind of hits a, a tougher slate. They've got to go at UCLA this week. They've got to play Washington at ASU. We'll see where that one is by that point, but against Oregon and then at Colorado, um, getting to six and one at this point is good because they're going to have to weather a little bit of a storm with all the injuries they've suffered. Um, and, but this is, you know, Arizona, uh, Utah's been doing this all year, um, kind of having gut check wins. Um, and even gut check games like San Jose State, where they were kind of in a dogfight early and then they poured it on the second half and, and kind of pulled it out. USC, they've, they've had this ability to do this and, um, they needed it against Oregon State, which is maybe not necessarily a great thing. This game was one of the most frustrating for me and the whole year. Um, there's been some, you know, the Juju Smith going down where basically if you watch the game, you're like, okay, Utah covered the spread. And then at the end, they didn't. And you're like, wait, what the heck happened? And this was one yeah. of those ones we picked differently. Dave got it right. It was, uh, Oregon State plus nine. Um, this te- the, both teams combined for 142 passing yards. And a lot of those came at the very end. I think at halftime, it was like minus one yards for Oregon State or 32 yeah. for Utah. It was something ridiculous like that like you mentioned daryl garrison broke his ankle he's probably you know he's gonna be out for a while it looks like but they couldn't throw the ball at all and then you brought in i think it was marcus mcmarion yeah and he uh he scores that touchdown like somehow he throws a great touchdown pass where they couldn't do anything and they so they cover they don't win but they cover and i was so upset mcmarion had 10 more yards than daryl garrison and troy williams combined and he threw nine passes to their 33 yeah and it was a miserable day. Like it was, you know, r- driving rain. The Pacific Northwest games weren't going to be good. 20 mile an hour winds. It was under 60 degrees. Ryan Nall, you know, you loved him. Uh, I think yeah. he had like a 32 yard run on his first carry and he was yeah. out with a foot injury. Um, yep. so that's not, and he good. was already banged up coming in. Um, Joe Williams came back for Utah and out of retirement. <laughs> yeah. Out of retirement and carried the ball 34 times out of 60 carries. Um, he was, he was clearly Utah's MVP and, uh, that's an impressive thing to do literally out of retirement. They had a 229 rushing yards in the first half. So, I mean, that was crazy, but you don't, you don't hear about college players coming out of retirement. You know, it's, it's just kind of crazy. Yeah, it was, that was, that was very much nuts. Um, I, I want to give a shout out to Oregon State. Um, clearly a much more competitive team than last year. They've, they've won a Pac-12 game already, which is, you know, more than they did last year. Uh, but this was a game where they were very competitive. I think they're going to have to weather a pretty ugly game this weekend, but we'll get to that. Uh, but I think you got to be happy for Oregon State. And I think, you can circle another game on the calendar as a potential win. Uh, Arizona at home. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think Oregon State's got a real chance in that one. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if the Civil War is another kind of weird game like it was last year. Um, I think Oregon State, maybe not, I wouldn't go so far as to say they're trending way up at this point, but there's, there's, there's some positive signs out there. There are. And, you know, Utah is the only other team that's ranked, uh, you know, outside of Washington. And this, you talk about a team that left points on the table. I mean, I was paying attention, like even though I was watching on my iPad, cause I was watching, you know, I was watching USC, um, cause that, you know, obviously the team I cover, but man, they, every time I looked up, like they, I think they had a fourth and one, they're about to score and they end up fumbling. Um, 
the Utah defensive back got an interception in the end zone, but they call him for pushing off. I mean, there were, there just seemed to be, um, you know, there's so many plays. And there was one play where it was, the uh, Oregon State fumbles it forward for like 20 yards. And the, the defensive back for Utah was just like looking at it. And he just let the, the Oregon State receiver or running back, I forget who it was, jump on it. I was like, what is that guy doing? He's not even trying to pick up that fumble. So it ends up being like a 20 yard gain for Oregon State. Just so many weird things were happening. And I was just like, you, th- this cannot be a cover for Oregon State. And of course they did. Yeah. <laughs> no beefs. Yeah. Or, uh, sorry, Angie, man. You just, you know, whatever I pick, if I pick for you, I think it's a, a home and away thing too. Oregon State's just a lot better at home. They're tougher at home. Um, they didn't look like they were in this one, but, but they were. Yeah, they sure were. Okay. So let's move on. That was a frustrating game for me. Did you get that? Um, <laughs> st- <laughs> we would have been tied in the standings if I, if this they was, they would have held on and whatever. Okay. So I'm not bitter at all. Stanford, uh, 17 points, uh, eight of them by the offense against Notre Dame, uh, 17 to 10. The Cardinal get the win in South Bend. You want to talk unwatchable football? Oh. Uh, this game, this game was bad. This was not a fun game to watch. Uh, unless you're Solomon Thomas, if, or Solomon Thomas's family, or just somebody who likes watching good defensive football. Solomon Thomas is a beast. Uh, he was making Notre Dame's offensive line look like a uh, turnstile. Uh, basically everybody on that offensive line because he was lining up all over the place at various points. Um, he had a uh, one and a half sacks, but it felt like approximately four times as much, I would say, reasonably. Uh, 12 tackles, which is a lot for a defensive lineman, usually means you're shutting down. That's a lot for an anybody. Opposing team. <laughs> yeah. Usually means you're shutting down an opposing team, uh, pretty well. Um, this was, this was, a nice bounce back game for Stanford. I mean, I think Notre Dame is bad, like just straight trash. Uh, but Stanford was looking pretty trashy for a while there too. Um, and now they're maybe not completely right at the ship, but they look like a more confident, better team, uh, than they did even a week ago. Um, yeah, I mean, it's nice to get a win. Uh, defensively, they're clearly still very good. Obviously have a lot of things to work out offensively, but to go into Notre Dame, even a reeling Notre Dame team and win without, you know, your best offensive player, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I thought Stanford came out early and looked good in this game. Uh, they were, they just couldn't finish drives. You know, they, the, they doinked one off the upright again after two yeah. last week. They get another doink. So it's like three that was like doink. right off the top of the upright. It looks like it landed on the top of the upright. That <laughs> At least was so a, weird. Yeah. A little like an inch higher than you have the officials have to make a call if it was good or not. That would have been funny. But then, and then they fumbled, uh, on a, I think it was two, another drive or two drives later. And that led to the Notre Dame touchdown. It's not like Notre Dame was putting up a lot of points. So just the fact they couldn't finish drives, uh, they had a couple bad holding penalties. Um, you know, one of them negating a 50 yard run. It was just like, again, and this was one that I, I took, I took uh, Stanford, you took Notre Dame and I was getting plus three. Um, and it just seemed like Stanford was just screwing up and, and, you know, making mistakes and Notre Dame had that 10 nothing lead, but they get that, uh, they got a pick six from Meeks. Uh, yeah. I thought they needed that badly. It just everything was going Notre Dame's way, but they weren't pulling up a bunch of points and capitalizing that kind of got Stanford back. Then the bad snap. On Notre Dame went over, you know, after, you know, it was a good punt from Stanford to pin them deep, then a bad snap over the head and it was a, ended up being a safety. So then it was 10 to nine. 
And then they finally got an offensive touchdown. They've only had one offensive touchdown, Dave, in each of the last four games. So it's not like Stanford's put up a lot of points. But they got one when they needed it, uh, got the two-point conversion, and then they were able to uh, you know, hold on for a 17-10 lead. So I thought it was a really good win for the Cardinal, who you look at, they're not playing very well, but they're still 4-2, and two, you know, 2-2. Two yeah. two. They're getting, you know, uh, outscored badly the last four games, but they're 2-2, two and two, so... They're keeping things alive. I think that was a big win, you know, for the whole conference being able to beat Notre Dame, who's not very good. Um, but I, I think Stanford needed this one. It didn't looked okay early. Then they kind of fell apart, but they were able to right the ship and, and get it back and uh, get the win. Yeah. And the schedule softens for them a little bit too after, uh, this week. Um, they'll get, they go at Arizona and they get Oregon State at home. Both of those should be wins, even for a, a Stanford team that's clearly taken a step back. And then at Oregon, I mean, that's winnable for either of these teams. Um, and, you know, at Cal, we'll see. And then they play Rice. I mean, this is, this is a team that we're talking about as a bad Stanford team, right? They're going to finish eight and four. I mean, and it's, uh, there's a chance at nine and three. I mean, there's, there's, this is, this is a lot of teams good year. Um, and it's going to be, you know, one of their worst years since Harbaugh came there. Uh, so yeah, I think they'll take it. Now, if you want to look at something fun, Look at Notre Dame's remaining schedule, because Anger McRedface, my favorite guy, Brian <laughs> Kelly, is two and five right now. Anger uh, McRedface. Anger McRedface. Uh, he, he's got Miami this week or two weeks from now after the bye. Uh, they're gonna lose that game. He's got Navy. He's got to deal with triple option with this garbage pile defense that Ooh. wasn't taken advantage of by Stanford, but he's got to deal with triple option. He's gonna lose that one. Got to take on probably the best Army team in like ten years. Right, they're four and two. Uh, I don't know that's a sure win, but let's call it a win. Then he's got Virginia Tech, which is a pretty good Virginia Tech team, great defense. And then he's got to go at USC, and USC playing this way is going to tear him apart. Are they going three and nine? Wow, they could. I mean, there's not a lot of wins left, uh, you know, for sure wins. And people are talking about, you know, people are talking about Brian Kelly. He should go somewhere else and take a better job. Not that there's a lot of better jobs in Notre Dame, but I mean, you know, take a different kind of job. And now I don't know. I mean, they're, now they're talking about firing him. So this is kind of crazy. Yeah, he should go somewhere and take some anger management. You know, <laughs> that would be a good, that would be a good use of his time. He does like to blame time. people for things. Yeah, he's, he's, um, he's a child. He's a child with <laughs> temper tantrums and the inability to accept any kind of consequences for his Wow. Actions. Uh, all right. Well, let's move on. A uh, nice win for Stanford. You know, needed the conference needed one of those out of conference wins, even though t- Notre Dame's two and five. Still needed one of those. So good way to go, Stanford. Take it one for the team. Be- win one for the Pac-12. Uh, this one was uh, an interesting one to watch. Uh, Arizona State only able to muster 16 points against a really good-looking Colorado team. 40 to 16, the Buffs win. Yeah, I feel this is the one pick I wish I could have back because the Notre Dame one I think was defensible, especially with the way the win that game went. I, I've got to stick with my buffs. All right, I, I picked Arizona State against my better judgment because I'd seen how bad Arizona State looked beating UCLA the previous week. I knew they weren't they they weren't very good even for a five and one team, but I went against my judgment. Colorado won by twenty four points. They looked really good. Uh, Sefa Lufau came back, um, took over again for Steven Montez. Looked great. Philip Lindsay ran for everything, like 219 yards. Yeah, that was a lot. Um, and then defensively, completely shut down Arizona State's running game and completely shut down Manny Wilkins in the passing game. Manny Wilkins, let's 
throw this out there. He clearly wasn't a hundred percent, but still completely made this Arizona state offense look like garbage. Um, yeah, this, uh, I think it, it definitely reset things for Colorado after, you know, having a tough loss to USC the previous week. Um, this definitely leads me to believe that they are still, you know, very much in maybe not complete driver's seat in the Pac-12 South, but they've got a pretty darn good chance of winning the Pac-12 South. I think you're right. And, uh, I mean, this is a team that looks for real. Uh, they, they could have beat USC the week before. I, I'm curious why. Sifal so Lufal didn't start that game and, you know, when they brought him in, um, you know, he looked like he was fine. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but they put Montez back, you know, Steven Montez back in after, uh, you know, after he got injured for a little bit. Uh, but I thought he looked great in this one. So, um, we'll see. I mean, it looks like he'll probably be the guy the rest of the way. Manny Wilkins ended up getting a start because Brady White's out for the season now, yeah. uh, with a foot injury. So that kind of stings. Um, you know, it's funny early on, I wasn't even sure. I thought the picks were reversed and I was like, man, I picked Arizona State. I was like, okay, so, you know, I'm watching what's going on. And then I realized, okay, no, no, I got, I got Colorado here, but it was, I mean, it was close early and Colorado, you want to talk about leaving points on the table. They kept doing stuff. You know, it ended up being a, you know, a wider margin, but you know, they missed an extra point early. It would have been a 14 point lead. Ended up being a 30. Yeah. Missed a field goal. Ended up being a 13 point lead and it was a spread was 13 and a half. I'm like, am I going to lose another one of these because I'm stupid like that? Um, but, and so they, Colorado kept leaving points out there. Arizona State didn't have a lot of opportunities for points, but when they, they would just, they, you know, three field goals of 50 yards, more than 50 yards, Colorado would miss a short one. Arizona State would hit a 59 yarder. You're like, normally, you know, that's like doubling down when you, you know, the, the dealer has 16 and you have 11 and you lose. Uh, that was happening a lot, but still Colorado just said way too much for them. So even though, they weren't finishing every drive and they weren't, you know, they were giving up some of this big special teams plays. It still was, there was just way too much for Arizona state. And uh, so, you know, they fumbled a couple of punts. I think it was two punts that they fumbled. Um, and Philip Lindsay ended up having more yards than Arizona state had total. So even with the not perfect game with kind of little screw ups here and there, uh, Colorado still was just way too much. Yeah, this was, uh, yeah, I thought it was, um, uh, just a really nice showing from Colorado. And, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think ASU clearly, I think is a, a better team than many. Well, they've got a better record than people thought they would have at this point in the year, which I think is a good way of putting it. I think they've put themselves, I mean, it's not an easy slate the remainder of the way, and you could absolutely see them losing the remaining five games. Well, you could see them losing the next four and then beating Arizona to get bowl eligible. Um, I don't know if I would predict that at that point. I think in aggregate, I think I would have them winning one of the next four. Um, but it's, you know, against Washington State at home, at Oregon, against Utah, and then at Washington. That's a tough slate. Uh, but then they've got Arizona at Arizona. I think they get to six and six, seven and five. And this year was one, it's a transition year for sure. Um, and I think getting to that point would be, uh, maybe not like a pure win for Todd Graham, but I think it would be a, a nice thing to do um, in what was clearly a transition year. All right, we got one last one uh, from the week. To recap, this is uh, the Bruins and the Cougs, uh, Washington State up in the Palouse in some crappy weather, 27 to 21 gets the victory over UCLA. So this was, uh, for the second straight week, this was an unwatchable first half. Um, 
UCLA, kind of just by the nature of the team right now, which is inability to really run the ball at all offensively and not even be that good of a passing team, but also having a pretty good defense makes these first halves especially just such a slog to watch because neither team can get anything going offensively and it's just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, yeah, well, I mean, UCLA was without Josh Rosen in this one, so you've got to give them a small pass for that one. But honestly, Mike Faithful played pretty well. I mean, I wouldn't say he was, you know, tearing the world up, but their backup quarterback played pretty well. Um, well enough for them to win if they had any kind of credible running attack whatsoever. Um, they came in with a really strange game plan thinking they could run the ball on Washington State when they haven't been able to run the ball on anyone this year. And Washington State didn't have a great defense, but they were okay. Uh, Washington State, for its part, um, I think Luke Falk maybe struggled a little bit with UCLA's defense just because UCLA's defense is pretty good um, and you know didn't look quite as comfortable as he typically does. But Washington State was able to put together enough offensively um, to to win this one. You know, late UCLA made a comeback um, to get this into strong middling territory. If you are a big better, um, because you could have had this at the beginning of the week at Washington State minus one and a half for like a couple of hours, and then it was minus four and a half, and then you could have gotten it at the end of the week for minus ten. Wow. So if you'd bet, if you'd bet, if you'd bet the minus four and a half and then the plus ten for UCLA, you would have won both bets. Um, but, yeah, I mean, UCLA is not very good. Um, their running game is not very good. Their defense is fun to watch, but it makes for some uh, semi-unwatchable games, especially in first halves. Yeah, we both got this right. I was a little worried about this one, too, Dave, late. But it was uh, we, we when we did the show, we, it was at five. So um, Yeah, so we both won. Yeah, we five both won this one. So we, that was uh, it was a really sloppy start. Um, I thought, you know, when you look at the whole game, there were six turnovers and 15 penalties in the game. Um you know, it wasn't like there was a whole bunch of offensive plays. The, and the difference in the game was six points. Washington State hit two field goals, the first field goals of the year. So this was the first. They hadn't hit a field goal all year. The only Division One, you know, FBS team that hadn't hit a field goal yet. So the only reason they won this game is because they did something they haven't done all year. So I mean, UCLA had a shot in this one, yeah. um, obviously. And the, and one of the, maybe the coolest play was Luke Falk's fumble um, where – he goes back to pass and it's just like the ball just flies out of his hand. It's like, you know, a Lucy and Charlie Brown. <laughs> I've got a cooler play from this game. I've oh, got a cooler play. A cooler? Okay. Uh, what was that? UCLA freshman punter, Austin Kent punted a ball, negative one yards at one point. <laughs> so there was like this big wind current in the stadium from this storm that was raging out to the West. Um, but it was causing a bunch of wind over this game. And Kent, you know, he punts a ball and it's not very long. I think it goes like probably 30 35 yards downfield and then it literally bounces back like 20 25 yards probably didn't go 35 yards then we went about 25 yards and then bounces back another 26 that was really cool uh jim mora lit into him on the sideline yeah just <laughs> taking out all of his frustrations for a three and four season on a freshman punter and it was you know the kind of moment where yeah it was kind of not great to do that, but also it's kind of fun to see, you know, just the gif of some guy just getting destroyed for a, <laughs> a bunch of punts. Now this was, like I said, you know, raining sideways, you know, crappy weather, road game, yeah. no star quarterback, and you still was still in it. I think this defense, Dave, is good enough for the Bruins that they could win some games even when you know the the run game isn't there or the offense isn't working. Uh, I mean that. 
this is just a team that's going to rely on that defense to to you know scrape any wins together they can for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think that's for sure, and it's just a matter of keeping that defense from getting too worn down by it. Um, the offense has to be competent enough that they don't allow the defense to get worn down, um, and I think they were not quite there in this game. Um, if you know, if they, um, look at the score, if UCLA scores once in the first half, they probably or they at least are in this game at the end. So, yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's a that's a recap of week seven we're going to look forward to week eight and yeah. uh, we got some new technology dave the finest of technology we do uh, yeah well you know we got to play with we, we had some some skype issues we don't give you all the behind the scenes stuff so we're trying out some new stuff here with our sounds and messages we should be the same sounds just the way we're delivering them gonna be a little bit different but i think we're ready we're going to debut it for our pack 12 roundup yes oh, it's crystal clear it sounded yeah. amazing does it sound good the last couple of weeks, just to let people know, Dave couldn't hear that when I was playing it, so we had to kind of guess when that was over. Um, but yes, we can play it now. Dave can hear it. We got technology working for us instead of against us. It's all good. We're going to go down. So we're going backwards in our uh, podcast of champions power rankings. Uh, our number 12 team, which I kind of hinted at earlier. Arizona Wildcats. Yeah, they're on a bye, Dave. I'm glad because I love you. Love you, Wildcats. I don't want to watch you anymore. <laughs> and I want you like to have a week to figure things out, see if you want to play football anymore, and then come back and we'll give it another shot. But I, I, I can't, I can't watch it anymore. And you know they needed a buy. They haven't had a buy since 2014, right? So this is <laughs> well. I guess they had one at the end of last year, um, which is not not ideal. But, uh, okay. So that was, uh, that's our number 12 team. Our number 11 team. Oregon Ducks. They'll be taking on our number eight team. California Golden Bears. So this is a Friday game, uh, on at 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. Two and four Oregon going at three and three California. Uh, the line is Cal minus three, um, which seems pretty fair um i think you know it doesn't have the over under set here but i'm gonna go all right let's just guess because i haven't seen it yet what do you think the over under is Ooh. uh let's see over under say 45 <laughs> i'm going with 85 let's see who's closer it's the closest without going over so you still got a chance here it's 87 and a half right wow Okay. Wait, um, Oregon's not going to score that many points. Come on. <laughs> um, so Oregon, Cal, uh, <laughs> this is interesting. Both these teams were off last week. Um, Cal, I think Davis Webb is still, he might be questionable for this one. Um, or he's probable now. They've upgraded him to probable. Um, Oregon is obviously reeling badly. Um, Justin Herbert, their true freshman quarterback, looked okay in the last game. Um, against Washington, but that was okay in a 49-point defeat to the Huskies. Um, Cal, for its part, is fresh off of losing to the worst team in the Pac-12 from last year, Oregon State. Um, so they're not in necessarily great shape right now. Um, I still think they're a good sight better than Oregon. Um, I think Oregon, maybe they figured some things out in the bye week. Maybe they've got some new stuff installed. Maybe that'll equal some better performance, but um, I think the Bears have shown me more this year. Um, so even with a, a maybe a little bit banged up Davis Webb, I think I like Cal to cover this. 
I'm going to go with you on this one. Uh, just It just seems to be there's certain teams that play better home and road. Um, you know, Cal's been bad on the road. They've you know, definitely been better at home. I think Oregon's just been bad everywhere. But just Cal didn't look like themselves on the road at Oregon State. So I think it's one of those things where you want to come back and play better. Um, they had a week to kind of think about it. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, with Cal here. I think they cover. If it was like a like seven point spread, maybe I'd take Oregon, but for three, I think I'm, uh, I think I'm willing to take Cal on that one. Yeah. I mean, the, Oregon's a team that's lost its last two games by, uh, combined 67 points. And, uh, they just, they, they played a similar team, Washington State, at least offensively, and they gave up 51 to them. So, and that was two weeks ago. So, yeah, I, I, I don't like their chances to win this one. And I think they have a decent enough chance of getting blown out again. All right. Uh, next up, we have our number six team, Arizona State Sun Devils, <laughs> and our number five teams. This should be a good matchup. Washington State Cougars. This should be a good matchup. So it's on at seven p.m. on Saturday uh, on the Pac-12 Network. Uh, this seems like it should have been an ESPN game, but I guess they've overloaded on, you know, watching bad UCLA games on ESPN the last three weeks. Um, but so this is Washington State at four and two going at Arizona State five and two in Tempe. Washington State is favored by seven. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. So Arizona State, um, they should be. I, I think Manny Wilkins will be another week a little bit healthier, a little bit better. Um, their run defense is still pretty darn good. How much does that matter against Washington State? Maybe more than it did in previous years. I mean, Washington State's no, you know, Stanford in its prime, but it's running the ball a little bit better than it has um, in past years and running it a little bit more frequently than it has. So Arizona State being good against the run is a thing. It's a thing worth noting. Um, but Arizona State's pass defense has been trash all year. Um, Washington State, Luke Falk, you know, bouncing back from, I think, a little bit of a subpar game against UCLA for him. Um, I think I'm talking myself into Washington State covering this. I think uh, Falk's going to be able to go at that secondary pretty well, um, and Arizona State might be able to shut down the Washington State running game, which matters, but I think um, Washington State's one of those teams that's obviously comfortable with Falk throwing the ball 50-plus times, and if they want to do that in this one, I don't know that there's much Arizona State can do to stop them. Um, defensively, I think Washington State's probably a little bit more balanced than Arizona State's defense, um, and I think... Arizona State's offense is not very good. So, yeah, I think I like Washington State to win this one by like 10. Like, you know, like a 38-28 type game. Man, I've, I'm just so conflicted on this one. Uh, I like your pick, though. I think I'm going to go with uh, with Washington State as well to cover. Uh, I think Arizona State, you know, plays a little better at home. Um, we saw, you know, get thumped by USC on the road. Then they beat UCLA at home. Then they get thumped by Colorado on the road. Do they come back? and upset Washington State at home. I could certainly see that happening. But after what Washington State, you know, couldn't muster in the terrible weather and Pullman last weekend, um, I just kind of get the feeling, Dave, that they're going to come out and and really torch that Arizona State secondary. So it's a lot of points. I'm not – I mean, I, I think Arizona State could win outright. But yeah. But I think I'm going to go and, uh, and, and call Washington State to cover on the road here and not feel real good about it. Yeah, I uh, I think that's about my feeling as well. I don't feel good about it, but I got him to cover. 
All right. Uh, let's moving on. So the next game we have our number seven team. Stanford Cardinal. And the number four team. Colorado Buffaloes. So for my money, I think this is probably the best Pac-12 game of the day. Um, yeah. On at 12 p.m., so you get out of the way quickly. Uh, Colorado going at Stanford. Colorado's 5-2. and two, Stanford's 4-2. and two. On the Pac-12 network, which is unfortunate, um, but they're two unranked teams, so I get it. Um, Stanford. Now, here's the weird thing. Stanford is favored by two. It opened at three and a half. It's moved to Stanford minus two. Wouldn't be surprised if this is a pick or even Colorado by one come game time. Uh, just side point, Vegas seems to have been missetting a lot of lines this year. I don't know what it is, but it just seems like maybe they're all falling asleep before the Pac-12 games are on, but they seem to be missetting a lot of lines. Um, I don't get Stanford being favored here. Uh, Colorado's been a much more balanced team, much more consistent team, both offensively and defensively. Um, advanced stats like them more. Um, there's there's a lot to like about this Colorado team, especially with Sefa Lufau being in there and being a more steady, reliable guy than Steven Montez, who played really well and really admirably in relief. Um, but I think Colorado is going to be able to, you know, this isn't going in Stanford. Isn't like going against USC. They're not going to out athlete you the way USC did. Um, and I think in kind of a straight up game, you know, kind of a physical game, it sounds weird to say it, but I think I like Colorado more. Um, they've been, they're a top 30 ish, top 30 ish team on both offense and defense, which combines to make them a really solid top 25 team. Um, according again to most advanced stats, um, I like Colorado to win this outright. I don't know by what score, but I definitely, definitely don't like Stanford minus two. That's crazy. Yeah, no, when I, I think someone tweeted this to us and I was like, wait, what? Like that's completely reversed. So yeah, all day long, I'll take Colorado getting two points. Like not even, not even a question. Like, you know, we could be wrong, but there's just no way. I don't think it, your, your long-term betting strategy taking Stanford minus two here, I don't think that would work. You know, uh, how yeah. many times out of 10 is this going to, it just, the way these teams are playing right now, I mean, Stanford's reeling. They're scoring one offensive touchdown a game, and yeah. that's not not against as good of a defense as, as Colorado. So, I, yeah, it's it's tough for me to see why Stanford would be favored here. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think Stanford can win. Uh, don't get that we're just saying sure, Colorado's yeah. going to win this ten times out of ten, but it just seems like a bad line. Yeah. It seems like, I mean, if if this had opened as a pick'em, I would have said, okay, that makes sense. Stanford on the road, whatever. Okay, sure. Um, but Stanford minus three and a half to open, that just seems crazy. Just bonkers. Yeah. All right. So we'll both uh, we're both on the Colorado train. Woo woo. Go yeah, Buffs. And if they win this, they're bowl eligible. Think that, about that. They are true. eight game. This will be their eighth game of the year, and they'll be bowl eligible if they win. Yeah. We, you know, it's funny. We have Stanford at number seven. They're four and two, you know, but just, but we've, this is about the eyeball test. They just haven't, they're yeah. not scoring points. They're just, it's just not looking very Stanford like, Dave. It's just, it's, it's a little different. So I, we'll see. I mean, this would be a big win for Stanford. And I think they'd probably kind of wipe some of the, the Washington, um, muck off of them is getting pasted <laughs> by both Washington and Washington State. So I think this would be a go a long way to kind of getting Stanford back on track. Yeah, they. I mean, they've had to play the best two powers in the Pac-12 North, and now they're having to play the best power in the Pac-12 South. Tough slate. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that was uh, Stanford. So that was number seven, number four, or number three team. USC Trojans. Uh, on a bye. 
So uh, they'll play Cal next Thursday, but they got a bye this weekend along with uh, Arizona. So, um, yeah, we we talked about having them being number two, which is kind of ridiculous thinking that they were one and three. But there's just it's like Washington and everybody else. So you're just kind of like rearranging, like Dave said, the rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Yep, exactly. Okay. Pac- so, I'm sorry, what was that? Go Pack 12 Go Pack. <laughs> okay, so our number nine team. UCLA Bruins. We'll be taking on the number two team. Utah Utes. All right, I know I'm going to anger some UCLA fans here. All right, this game's on at 1 p.m. I would so much rather watch Colorado-Stanford, and I'm not going to be able to because I've got to watch this game because it's my quote-unquote job. Um, but, yeah. Anyway, 1 p.m. on Fox. I know I'm getting everyone excited to preview these games. You're the hype machine. You should, UCLA should hire you for the PR department. I you know. Uh, no. um, Don't watch p- us. Watch, color, watch Pac-12 well, Network. The thing is, it's Utah UCLA too. So we're, uh, we'll get into it. All right. So 1 p.m. on Fox, uh, number 19, Utah six and one going at UCLA three and four. There's no line on this one yet. Um, I wouldn't be stunned if it was a pick em. I, I actually wouldn't be stunned if UCLA's favored, but let's just pick it as if we're picking winners. Okay. Um, because this is one where Utah is probably not as good as its record indicates. UCLA is probably a little bit better than its record indicates. They're kind of similar teams structure-wise. Good defenses, not so great offenses, the whole deal. So, um, But that's what's going to make this game maybe a little bit tough to watch. Um, neither of these teams is explosive offensively. Neither of them is very good offensively. UCLA could, again, be without Josh Rosen. Um, it's uncertain at this point. We're recording this on Monday. Maybe some certainty comes out in the next couple of days, but I doubt it, given the way Jim Mora operates. Um, I don't think there will be any certainty heading into this one who's going to start. If I had to guess, I think it'd be faithful again. Rosen did not look right throwing the ball in warm-ups against Washington State. Um, so Mike Faithful against the Utah defense, that's got a pretty tough defensive front. They sacked the quarterback pretty well. I think they're number two in the Pac-12 in sacks. Um, so it'll be a little bit more of a tough challenge than Washington State was, which plays a bit more of a passive style of defense. Um, so I think Utah's going to be able to shut down UCLA's offense maybe even a little bit more than Washington State was able to last week, and UCLA scored 21 points last week. Um, on the flip side, Utah's offense is nowhere near as good as Washington State's. Um, I think UCLA's defense is going to be able to really limit that offense. Um, Troy Williams has looked good at times for Utah, but he's also been kind of a struggle bus at times. Um, and I think uh, their rushing attack is good. But um, I think they can have a tendency to get a little one-dimensional offensively. I think I like UCLA, but it's something like a 17-14 type game, something very similar to what they had against Utah's counterpart in Utah, BYU, earlier this year. Um, I think their def- their defense is a little bit better than Utah's, um, and I think that's going to tell the tale for the game. Yeah, this is. I think Pickham's probably about right. We'll see. Maybe the line will come out and it'll be something a little different. Just, I love the way the UCLA defense is playing and Utah is just, they don't seem like they're putting it all together. Uh, they're leaving points on the table, but you know, a lot of it is they, they're so good on special teams that they're able to kind of squeak out these close wins. I, I just kind of get the feeling, Dave, it's going to be an ugly sort of game in the Rose Bowl, but Utah does enough to kind of, to squeak it out and win in the end. That's, that's, I mean, credit to Kyle Whittingham and his crew. They've been able to do that, you know, several times this year. Um, I kind of think they'll do it again. I'm a, a couple games behind you, so I'll just pick the opposite. I'm going to go with uh, 
Utah uh, on the road here in a pick'em game. Now, USC fans, they really want – they're rooting for UCLA this week, Dave. They need Utah to lose a couple yeah. of times because they you know, USC ended up losing them. I just don't I'm, – I'm not seeing this one, but yet I, I don't think much would surprise me in this game. No. The, the only thing that would surprise me is if it's a really, really, really exciting game. <laughs> Yeah, that would be a that would be the uh the upset of the year if this is very exciting. Yeah, that would uh that would that would be the upset of the century. Are you so let's let's put all our cards on the table here, Ryan. Yeah. This is going to be concurrent with a game that you can now watch cuz it's on the Pac-12 network and you now get that. I do. Are you going to watch this game or are you going to watch all of Colorado Stanford? Uh okay, so which network is this one on? This is on Fox. It's on Big Fox, a little bit better production quality. Yeah. Uh, but Colorado Stanford's going to be watchable. So what are we talking That's about? That's true. So, okay, so what I would normally do, and for some reason, I, I haven't tried lately, but I wasn't able to get Fox on my iPad. So I will probably watch this on my living room, the UCLA-Utah game, and then, especially because we're picking this one differently, so that's the one that matters to me. And then I'll put the uh, Colorado uh, game on my iPad. I think I'll do that. Okay. All right. Stanford-Colorado. I, I do want to watch both. So as long as I'm home, like, my wife might drag me out somewhere or something, but if I'm home, I can do, I think I do a pretty good job watching two games. When there's three on at once, I'm just not, uh, yeah. but I don't have like a multiple TV setup thing. I'd love to have something like that, but we don't have that. So it's usually me like one on the TV and one on my iPad. All right. Okay. And, well, you have to because it's your job, but yeah, because uh, it's my quote unquote job. Right. And I don't, you know, is, uh, Bruce Feldman might be doing the sideline again. I think, I don't know if he was, if he's doing this one or not. Well, that'll be interesting. Yeah, he did. Uh, the, I forget the girl's name, uh, the woman's name. She was like off for two weeks. So Bruce got to do the USC uh, Arizona game in Tucson. He was like on the Big Fox. So that was his first time doing sideline. He's a friend of ours, but you know, so it was nice to kind of see him out there telling some stories. I'll have to ask. I don't. I don't know if he's doing the sideline for this one or not. That'd be fun. Okay, so uh, one last game on the slate. We have the number ten team. Oregon State Beavers. Fresh off a of bye, the number one team in the podcast of champions power rankings. Washington Huskies. So this one's going to be on at 3.30 on the Pac-12 network, so it's coming on right after Colorado Stanford. Um, Washington, so this is in Seattle. Washington's favored by 36 points, which on the surface feels like a lot, but on the second you know, on the whatever's below the surface. Jesus. Um, I don't have words right now. Uh, whatever's below the surface on that, on that substance. Um, I, I kind of like Washington cover because Oregon state down their starting quarterback, uh, most likely down their second guy, Connor Blount, and they're down to Marcus McMarion at quarterback. Um, Ryan Nall questionable for the week. Um, and Washington is, very clearly the, the class of the Pac-12 coming off a of bye, so they're fresh. Um, I, I think they're going to beat Oregon State to about the same tune that they beat um, Oregon, and I think it'll be pretty close to that game. I don't think Oregon State will score as much as Oregon did. I think it'll be more like a 59-10 type game instead of 70-21, to but uh, I think I like Washington's, Washington to win this by uh, at least six touchdowns. Yeah, it's uh it's a lot of points. I mean, that is a lot of points. If this was in Corvallis, I would think about it for real. Like I'd yeah. think about taking Oregon State. They're play better at home. But in Seattle, uh, yeah, there's no way. I mean, uh it's 
I, I can't. I can't do it. I mean, I'm gonna. I'm gonna take Washington in this one, laying 36 points against a Oregon State team that's definitely playing better. Um, but you know, if Ryan Nall's not playing, I'm not sure what his status is for this week. Um, you know, Marcus McMarion actually looked pretty good coming in there. It seemed like they were reluctant yeah. to play him, and he was the best of the quarterback. So maybe, maybe this is a good thing for Oregon State that he's gonna be in there. I'm not sure, but. Um, it's just not, it's just not the same thing in Corvallis versus anywhere else. So uh, Oregon state, I'll, I'll try to pick you for some more home games this year, but on the road, I, I can't do it yet. Yeah. And for Washington, it is just win now, um, to get into the playoff, but I think style points don't hurt them. Um, you know, you never know how things are going to shake out with other leagues. So I think that doesn't mean good things for Oregon state. Like I don't see Washington just, you know, taking its foot off the gas in the second half. I think obviously if they're blowing them out in the fourth quarter, I think they'll sit some of their starters, but. I think uh, they'll they'll put it to them. I mean, they, they they've got incentive to to you know have as good a showing in the first three quarters as they can possibly have. You know, you look at so Oregon State's schedule. Um, you know, they lost by seven to Minnesota, um, and looked good in that game. They had a real chance to win. Yeah, uh, they beat Idaho State by thirty. Um, you know, they lost uh, was it by fourteen to Boise State. Um, got crushed by Colorado yeah. on the road, you know. Uh, overtime game against Cal, ended up winning that one. Really close game against Utah at home, you know, keeping it within the spread. So, uh, you know, the home games, they seem to be able to kind of keep it close and, you know, giving up body blows and, and just, it's kind of like, you know, bring you down. But I just don't, I think it's going to be some kind of high flying thing on the road. It's just hard for me to picture Oregon State hanging with them. Uh, you know, it's a lot of points. It's just, I just not seeing it right now. Yeah. You know, and, um, I, I said earlier, I think they've got a good chance against Arizona and then Oregon at home, but circle that Washington state at home game, because as we've seen with Mike Leach's teams, they are prone to some flubs. Um, and you know, I, I don't even think it takes a great big, great big flub for them to lose on the road at Oregon state. Uh, no, I agree. All right, so, uh, we have a couple of questions. I know I can I can hear your daughter, Dave. I know you've probably got to get going. Um, we'll do a couple of quick questions if that's cool. Yeah, let's do it. All right, uh, Nick says hi. This is Nick in Cyprus, aka Big Nick Twenty One USC from the P. Uh, that's the Peristyle message board on USCfootball.com. He said, "Okay, quick rundown." I was debating doing this first because we could give a quicker rundown on us. Utah nineteen, Oregon State fourteen, must win for Utah. Must beat the weak teams in the Pac-12. USC 48, Arizona 14. USC owned the game. Only bad thing was a missed PAT. Stanford 17, Notre Dame 10. Stanford beats down, beats a down Notre Dame team. Good for the farm. Arizona State 16, Colorado 40. Wow. Colorado is going to be bowl eligible for the first time in the Pac-12. Uh, UCLA 21, Washington State 27. Washington State with back-to-back game, wins back-to-back games against UCLA. How has UCLA fallen off? So his questions are, he has three of them. We'll do them quick. Does USC have a legit shot at the Pac-12 South title? Yes, 100%. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. They need a little bit of help, but, um, I think they've got a chance. I mean, obviously it doesn't help to be down in the loss column to Utah, but I think this Utah team is so banged up that they're going to have some issues, um, you know, really making a strong run. I know that's, that's a hell of a thing to say about a team that's six and one right now. But they're uh, they're pretty beat up right now. I mean, I've got them losing to UCLA. Then they've got Washington, which you can't really call a super easy game. 
And then they got to go at Colorado to end the year. So I could see them losing all three of those. And that would put USC right there with Colorado. And they have the tiebreak over Colorado as long as the Buffs win or lose another game. Yeah, they do. And, uh, I, I think USC has to take care of its own business, Nick. Uh, you know, if you, if they say they win out except for the Washington game, like, like Dave said, you know, Utah losing to UCLA and Colorado and Washington, then they, they'd be in business, but it could, there could be a three-way tie, which would help because USC has the tiebreaker over Colorado, not Utah. Then it could, you know, get all messed up, but they, they got a shot, uh, need some help, but they have to, I think most important, they have to play play better if they finish strong i think the fans will probably be fairly happy uh number yeah, two if, oh. if they finish eight and four or nine and three i think that's got to be a win for clay helton yeah you would think so although some usc fans would hate that but you know hey we'll move on uh <laughs> which team has underachieved uh, i think he means the most uh ucla or oregon uh You've got to go Oregon there just because there were still some lofty expectations for them. I mean, what were they, preseason 20th, something like that? Yeah. Something like that. Um, and they're two and four. I mean, that's, and they look probably worse and more of a mess than UCLA does, but it's not, it's not too far off. I mean, UCLA being three and four right now, they were ranked, you know, in the top 25 to start the year. Don't look like they have an offense at all. Um, and clearly the switch over to this pro style scheme has been a failure so far. So uh, I think you're, uh, here's what I would say. I think you're having the right conversation, Nick. It's definitely between those two teams, but I think I'd go with Oregon right now, but it's close. Yeah. I think the same thing. I think, uh, just because Oregon hasn't won a Pac 12 game yet, I'd have to go, uh, with Oregon and, and UCLA, you know, talking about losing a game without Josh Rosen. Uh, I mean, yeah. that's saying something. I mean, Oregon was going with their quarterback who they thought was going to be the guy. They had to change, you know, because, and, uh, so we'll see. I mean, well, the end of the year, who knows how these, both these teams finish, but right now I'd go with Oregon. Yeah. And sure. then last one, who's the bigger surprise, Colorado or Washington State? Colorado. Washington State's doing what we should come to expect them to do at this point, which is drop an inexplicable game to an FCS team at the beginning of the year and then look a lot better going on the rest of the year. Colorado, I think, is a slightly ahead of, slightly ahead of schedule because I was expecting them to be like average this year. Um, and they skipped average. They went from, you know, below average to just a good team. They, they didn't, they didn't, you know, have that middle year. Um, and it's kind of rare to see that this late in a coach's tenure at a particular school. Usually you see the turnaround quicker if there's going to be one. But McIntyre's in what? His fourth year, I think now. Um, and they, they just kind of made that leap this year. Um, and it's great to see uh, they've got an experienced team, um, and I think that helps. But um, I think Colorado is definitely the story for me so far of this Pac-12 season. And I think I, I, I think they're the favorites in the Pac-12 South, um, given the way Utah's beat up, um, given the remaining schedules for all the teams, and given the fact that Utah that USC already has two Pac-12 losses, and I think has another one coming with Washington. Um, I think that sets it up that Colorado is probably the most likely team to win the Pac-12 South. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. I think Washington State's doing kind of what we thought. Struggle early, then beat good Pac-12 teams. They did it last year. So the Colorado thing, skipping skipping average to good is uh, is spot on. So I agree with you 100%, Dave. Yeah. And Anything all, else? Any yeah, other questions? Got, yeah, one from John and Brea. He says, hey, David and Ryan, love the podcast. Your Pac-12 power rankings is the only ranking system that I trust. Well, duh. Yeah. It's you, should, you should really not. Not at all. <laughs> Hey Dave, Ryan, Ryan. Ryan was texting me what he thought today while I was driving home. 
and uh and it was that that was that was the extent of it we we exchanged conversation over text for about a minute and yeah. that's how we came up with our power rankings taking yeah. you behind the curtain they actually didn't uh they didn't change a lot from that we had to move stanford up some it, you know the 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 top of the bottom kind of stayed the same a little moving in the mix and and there could have been some more changes too but well we appreciate you john like in our power rankings yeah. he, he said you, he said i lo- i know larry scott mentioned he wouldn't be concerned until the pac 12 is shut out of the playoffs for four years in a row but what about the quote unquote new year six bowl games the pac 12 is the only conference that plays nine conference games plus a championship game actually the the big 10 does that now too uh, and because overall win loss record is still the most important thing in other rankings, this makes it very unlikely that the Pac-12 will have two teams in the New Year's Six bowl games. Is there any chance, uh, that the Pac-12 scheduling nonsense will ever change? He goes, for reference, here is the rundown from last year. The Big Ten had three teams in the, uh, in the New Year's Six. The ACC had three teams, uh, two teams plus Notre Dame. The Big 12 had two teams. The SEC had two teams. The Pac-12 had one. And the group of five, uh, there was one team. Thanks for all you do. I'm looking forward to next week's podcast and power rankings. John in Brea, California. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, there's definitely some merit to that statement. Um, but first, it makes for a more enjoyable regular season. Uh, let's just, uh, I'll do the devil's advocate because I tend to agree with you. But devil's advocate it makes for a more enjoyable regular season when you have nine conference games. Um, it just does. You don't have, you know, like SEC teams playing Presbyterian or whoever they play in November for, you know, just to get that extra win. Um, so I, I like it from that perspective. When you're watching your team, you can watch them play real games week in and week out, which I, that has value. That's that's not a valueless proposition. It's not all just about, you know, whether or not you have a better chance of getting into the playoff. I think being able to watch a team, your team play, you know, real opponents every week is a good thing. Um, but, and I wouldn't say necessarily that it shuts them out of, you know, getting two in the New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, in the first year of it, they had Oregon in the, um, uh, in the, in the playoff, right? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. Oregon was in the playoff and then Arizona made the Fiesta Bowl, right? So, I mean, they had two that year. Um, and so I, I, I don't think it's completely out of the question. Um, I, I think it does hurt them a little bit, but, I don't know. I'd go back and forth on it. I, I think I like the competitive nature of the Pac-12. Um, it does hurt them in terms of the playoff, but I would prefer to see the other conferences change to this style than to see the Pac-12 go to that style. I think it's uh, it's it makes for one more unwatchable game a year, which isn't fun. Yeah, and the Big Ten has already done it. Um, and you you know look at the Big Ten. There's two teams in the top three or something right now, or four. You know, and I, I think that's possible. I think the Pac-12 has to take care of its own business. Um, and I agree with Dave. I think more, more conferences should go this direction than go the other way. But the, the perception, it's like you, you have to change the perception by winning those out of conference games. We talk about it a lot, you know, like getting pasted by Alabama for USC or losing to Texas A&M or, uh, you know, that was a big for Stanford to beat Notre Dame, even though they're not that good. You got to go out and win those. I mean, the fact that Washington State can lose to an FCS team two years in a row. And still go look like they can win nine games with, you know, six or seven conference wins or whatever it is. I mean, that's crazy. Like you can't do that. Like that's not, that doesn't help the perception of the conference at all. That hurts you more than having nine conference games. You're like, you know, you basically are losing your cupcake game. You're, you're losing to Presbyterian and the SEC doesn't do that. And that's why you see a three and three old miss team being ranked or whatever. You know, I mean, there's, 
So I think some of that you have to do, but this is just a down year for the conference. Um, I don't think the schedule matters all that much as far as, I mean, it's just teams aren't looking good and they're losing the out of conference games. So I, I agree with Dave. I'd like to see the other conferences go in that direction. Um, it's just when, when the Pac 12 is good, it could put you at a slight competitive disadvantage. This is a year they have a much more than slight disadvantage and it's not because of the schedule. Yeah, no, they they have no business having <laughs> they have no business having more than one team in a New Year's Six Bowl this year. I mean, if if Utah, okay, so Utah could win out, um, and you know, even a Washington State, if they if they run the table or something, they can go in there. But it's still, if Washington State does that, is that good for the Pac-12? You're like, this team lost to Eastern Washington, and they're the yeah. sec- second best in the Pac-12 or something. Yeah, I mean, I think Washington can be the standard bearer for the conference this year, and uh, everyone else can uh, try again next year. Yeah, next year is always a good option. I like next year. It's always fun. Full of hope. Yes. All right. Well, Nick, John, thanks for those questions. And, and everyone else, thank you guys for uh, tuning in. Did a little early this week. Um, I got a golf tournament to play in later in the week, Dave, so I just couldn't do it on Thursday. I understand. Hey, I'm not I'm not fighting it. I'm not fighting it. The only issue was we don't have a UCLA-Utah line, so we had to pick winners. But we picked on opposite ends of it, so it'll be fun. Yeah, I think that'll be – that's the only one we picked differently, I think. So. Uh... Yeah, I think the, I think the rest are the same. Yeah, you're probably right. All right. Okay. Well, that's David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. Check out scout.com for whoever your favorite team is. We got you covered all up and down the West Coast. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy your weekend of Pac-12 football.